0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 11. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: The smart people who don't believe they need God who say, I can become my own God. It's those people that God hides himself from. But to those who say, God, I'm broken. God, I'm humble. God, I I need you. They are babies. It is to those people, God reveals himself. So when you come to him and you say, God, I need you. I'm humble. God, I I need you to mend my life back together. God says, sure. And he reveals himself to you. By the way, do you know this is how a person gets saved? You cannot be saved unless the father reveals the son to you. You cannot be saved. The Bible says no man comes unto the father except the son. The father has to open their eyes. Now, we all have many people that we have been trying to get to know Christ, trying to get them to see, man, you don't get it. Why don't you get it? Can't you see this? Don't you see? And they go, no, I don't see it. Why? Because the father hasn't revealed himself to them. Why? Because maybe because they're scoffers and mockers and they're wise in their own eyes and in their own deceit. And God hasn't revealed himself to them because he doesn't reveal himself to people who are not humble. And Jesus said to the father, he says, I thank you, God. Those are the people that you reveal yourself to. That's how people get saved. You see, that's why, you know, how many times have you heard people say to you, they'll say, you know, especially like in a mocking kind of patronizing way, they say, you know, I'm glad you found God. Raise your hand by show of hands. Have I ever say to you, I'm glad you found God. You ever that, that, Look, that's not, I don't like when people say it to me. Don't tell me that. Because I didn't find God because God wasn't lost. I don't know what's up with that. You know, I'm glad you found God. Hello, God wasn't lost. And I didn't find him. As a matter of fact, he came and found me. When I became a Christian, I wasn't even looking for him. How's that? I wasn't thinking, man, tomorrow is January 23rd, 1982. You know, I think I'll get saved. It just happened. I wasn't expecting it. It just happened. I'm glad it happened. And I know you're glad you got saved in the day that you did. But God revealed himself to me. And it's in that time that I came to know him. God's revelation of himself comes through the son. Jesus is the perfect revelation of the father. Amen, saints. Now look in your Bibles again in verse 28. Notice in verse 28, if you're there, say amen. Come to me, Jesus says. All, circle that, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Read verse 30 with me, if you will. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Someone once wrote of these words. They said these are the dearest And the sweetest words ever heard by mortal ears. These words have charmed and comforted the hearts of people in every age, every sense they were spoken. Isn't that true? Now, some of your Bibles, talking about Bibles, some of your Bibles have the red letter edition. I have the red letter edition. We know that the words that are written in red letters are the words of Christ or Jesus Christ. Very good. But these words, now listen, these words, come unto me, all you who who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. These words, you would not need these words to be in red letters to know that Jesus spoke them. You wouldn't need the red letters because who would ever dare, who could ever dare to say, come unto me if you labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Who would ever dare to say that but Jesus? You don't need red letters to know that that's him talking. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Now, the question, let me ask you a question. Who does the Lord invite to come? Who? Now, y'all can talk right here. This is an appropriate time. Okay. If you talk and I don't ask you, then I have to throw you out. But if... But now's the time to talk. Okay, I'm asking you a question. Who does the Lord invite to come? All. Everybody. Now, in the Greek language, all means all. Say it with me. And that's all, all means. You're all Greek scholars. All means all. And that's all, all means. He's inviting all to come. Now, this is wedding season. May, June, June. People get married, I've got several weddings planned to officiate on my calendar this month, next month, wedding season. And you know, have you noticed this and maybe it's just me, but you get these wedding invitations and you know the nice white envelope, and inside the envelope there's six other envelopes. Have you <laughs> have you noticed that? And, and so, you know, this grand invitation, and, and you've got all these envelopes, and, and I, I don't know why so many envelopes. I don't know what to do with them all. I get confused. So I'm like, why so many envelopes? And then inside the envelope of the envelope, the envelope, and the envelope, there's a piece of tissue. What is that for? Blow your nose? I mean, what is in preparation for the tears in the wedding? I mean, what kind of what is that? And so, I, I don't know. Things I think about. But... And I'm reading the invitation and, and and on the wedding invitation, oftentimes you really don't know who's invited. So you have to call the bride and the groom and you say, hello, are my kids, are kids invited? Are they able to come? And they say, no, leave your bratty kids at home. No kids coming. You know, you don't know who's invited from the invitation. But here, as Jesus speaks, we know exactly who Jesus invites. Who is he inviting? All, everyone, anyone. He says, come unto me. All who labor and are heavy laden. Now notice this word or this phrase, all who labor. This word labor, if you're taking notes, it means to be weary to the point of exhaustion. Almost to remind us of the verse in Proverbs 6, 9. And it says, how long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Which is what I say to my kids in the morning. How long will you sleep, old sluggard? (laughs) Arise from your sleep. But that speaks of exhaustion, okay? Did you know this? Listen to this. I thought this was interesting. Listen to this. If you are the average weight and height, which most of us are not, but okay, fine. If you are the average weight and height, this is what your body will go through in an average 24-hour period. Your heart will beat 103,689 times. Your blood will travel 168 million miles. Your heart will pump approximately 64 ounces of blood Per beat, you will breathe 23,000 times, inhaling 438 cubic feet of air. Your stomach will intake three and a half pounds of food and 2.9 quarts of fluid or liquid. If you are a man, you will speak 4,800 words. If you are a woman, <laughs> you will speak 7 million words. <laughs> Uh, No, I'm sorry, 7,000 words. Um, The the zeros, they they, they just kept going. Um, (laughs) You will move 750 muscles and exercise 7 million brain cells. No wonder you're tired. I mean, I read this and I thought, I got to take a nap. I mean, this is unbelievable. But you see, Jesus, and I know you know, I'm joking around. Jesus isn't talking about physical labor. And he's not talking about the working class man. Jesus is talking about those who labor in their soul. Hey, maybe you're here this morning and you are weary and tired in your soul. Maybe you're here and you've grown weary of life. Maybe for some, it's hard, tired of living and at the point of Committing suicide. You're weary of soul. Maybe you're tired of dealing with grief and pain and sickness and sadness and sorrow. Maybe you're tired of dealing with a difficult marriage situation or difficult children who just don't get it. Maybe you're tired of dealing with bereavement and burdens of life. This is what Jesus is talking about. And it is He who is saying to you this morning if you labor in your soul, Jesus says, Come to me and I will give you rest. He's talking about the labor of the soul. Now, not just rest in, in, you know, for those who labor, but also rest for those. Did you see that in your text? For those who are heavy laden. Now, this word heavy laden literally means to load up, to overburden. In the Greek, this word indicates that sometime in the past, a load was dumped on a weary person. Now, keep in mind, Jesus is talking to those who are living under the rules, the regulations, the laws, and, and the rituals, and the load of the Pharisees. That's who he's talking to. And so Jesus says to all of these people who are weary from the external burdens placed on them, he says that that's a heavy load. He says, and you should swap out that heavy load and take my load or my yoke upon you because your heavy load is too heavy for you. I can give you a light load. Isn't that interesting? And, you know, I got to tell you, when I first came to Calvary Chapel back in, pardon me, 1987, and, uh, and I walked into the first Calvary Chapel and one of the things that was very striking to me, not only I was out in Southern California and it was Sunday morning and people had on um, tank tops and shorts and flip flops at church on Sunday morning. That was quite striking. But, uh, you know, and of course I had on a full suit and tie, you know, I had on hat, gloves, pearls and the whole nine. And people came up and said, oh, you must be new here. I'm like, how'd you guess? Oh, oh, oh. Next Sunday, of course, I had on flip-flops t-shirt. Now, you know, I'm going to give the program, man. But but one of the things that struck, that struck me when I first walked in the First Calvary Chapel was, was the freedom that I felt in the air. The freedom that I sensed that this wasn't a place where there was a load placed on the people. See, I had come from a church where there was a heavy load placed on the people there was a load of legalism and religiosity placed on the people and, and they didn't even know it. And even all the time that I was there earlier when I first became a Christian I didn't even know it. And here I'm doing all of these things that were just legalistic and law and regulations and all these this load was on me and I didn't even realize it until I I came to know the scriptures and, and came to, to know the word and when Jesus said to whom the son sets free is free indeed and all of a sudden I start stripping away those things and I even know I was heavy with a load until I was light. Say amen if you know what I'm talking about. So when I was light, then I went, wow, that was a heavy load. And they had all kinds of rituals and regulations and laws that they put people under. And you had to wear the right clothes and you had to have a Christian haircut and Christian shoes and Christian clothing and all of these other kinds of things. I remember, and you probably remember this too, some of y'all, when it was a time where you couldn't wear red lipstick. Say amen if you remember that time. That's quite a few of you where you couldn't remember, you couldn't wear red lipstick. Because if you wore red lipstick in this church, you were guilty of the blood of Christ. What? I mean, now I look back and go, what? Back then I was like, oh no, can't wear red lipstick. Oh my goodness, don't do it. And then all of a sudden I said to my wife, I said, honey, you know, I kind of like lipstick. I mean, on her, I mean, you know. Uh, (laughs) Okay, I confess. But I said, honey, you know, there can't be anything wrong with, you know, I mean, there can't be anything wrong with that. So, you know, she wore red lipstick to church one Sunday morning. She went and tried to kiss the pastor's wife. And she's like, don't kiss me. You got red lipstick on. And I'm like, what in the world? You couldn't wear red fingernail polish. You remember that? You can't. Why? Because if you wear red fingernail polish, you guilty of the blood. I'm, this is crazy. This is a load of legalism. Ladies, you couldn't wear a split in your skirt. Because if you wore a split in your skirt, you were a Jezebel. It's like, what? It's all of these things. Look, I, me personally, I like makeup on my wife. I, I mean, I like makeup. Or I'm like, look, you know, there's nothing wrong with lipstick. There's nothing wrong with makeup. Jay Vernon McGee said every old bar needs some paint. No, <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I just want y'all, I didn't say that. I'm telling you what somebody said. Are y'all with me? Say amen. (laughs) So I'm just saying that you you put some makeup on. Ain't no wrong with little makeup. Fix stuff up. (laughs) Help a brother out. I mean, you know, nothing wrong with that. I remember, you know, you can't do this and you can't drink and you, you know, can Christians drink alcohol? All of these things, you know, yes, I, you know what, yes, Christians can drink alcohol, but can Christians become alcoholics? No. Can Christians dance? Well, 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 you know what I say about that, don't you? Can Christians dance? Some can, some can. I can, you know, get, you know, but dancing, yeah, dance, okay, fine. But now don't be dancing in some of them places. Y'all know what I mean. I better move on. You know what I mean, not in some of them places, but see, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, one of the verses you should remember, it says, stand fast in the liberty where Christ has made you free and don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. See, your liberty can get you tied up. Can you drink alcohol? Yes, I guess you can. But be careful because you could find yourself in bondage to alcohol and now you're an alcoholic. You see, your liberty can cause you to get to the place where you're entangled. So you must be mindful of where you allow your liberties to take you. You understand? Because your liberties can take you to a place that you don't want to go. So be mindful of that. Stand fast in that liberty wherewith Christ has made you free, but don't allow that liberty to get you entangled again in the yoke of bondage. It was Jesus who then goes on. I got to go on. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now understand something. In that culture, a yoke was an everyday object. Everyone understood what Jesus was talking about. A yoke was made out of wood and was used to control and guide any two oxen or any two animals. They would hook a plow to it and the farmer would drive the animal and the yoke would keep them together evenly and pull the plow through the field. And so the yoke, it was kind of a binding uh, device, if you will. And so here quickly. This yoke speaks of three things, and Jesus is pointing to three things. Number one, if you're taking notes, Jesus is talking about connection when he says, take my yoke upon you. He's talking about connection or be with me. You see, yokes are made for two and not one. We are not meant to go through life living apart from God. And so Jesus is saying, stay connected to me. Secondly, he's talking about not only connection, but direction. Follow me. Be with me and follow me. You see, the idea of the yoke pictures a forward motion of two connected together. You can't be yoked to Jesus and go your own way anymore. And then he's talking about cooperation. Work with me. To be yoked together means that we cooperate with him in his work and we submit to his authority. And we're not working for him. We're working with him. You see, you're working with him. You're connected to him. You're following the same direction and cooperating with him. And the truth be told, everyone is going to be yoked to something. You're either going to be yoked to Satan or you're going to be yoked to the Savior. But everybody's going to be yoked to something. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And so he says to his disciples, this is how it works. This is how life is simple. It's not that difficult. You know, I tell people, if you want to be less stressed and more blessed, take his yoke upon you and go with him. You see, oftentimes we Christians are yoked up with Jesus, but we're going another way. He's going straight and we're pulling this way because we got our plan, our purpose, our desire. And Jesus is saying, no, I know the way you follow me, but you're pulling. And that's why you have struggles in your life. And that's why you're not blessed. And that's why you are stressed because you're going a different direction. When God is saying, if you would just simply, in a very simple way, childlike, baby like type faith, just say, Lord, I'm just going to go with you. In your way, in your plan, and in your purpose. Because I'm yoked up with you. I'm connected to you. I'm following your direction. And, Lord, I'm cooperating with your plan and your purpose. And not my will, but thy will be done. You will find that your life will be less stressed and more blessed. That's what I want. I want to be more blessed. I don't need any more stress. And neither do you. Say amen. You don't need any more stress. You got plenty. I know because y'all booking appointments and counseling and carrying on. I know you got plenty. But Jesus says, hey, just come to me. And then notice he says, and when you come to me, he says, you're going to find rest. Boy, do I love that word rest. Don't you? I love that word rest. You know, it's starting to seem the older you get, the more rest you need. You know, when you're young, you take those 15 minute power naps and you start getting older you start taking a five hour power nap. You know what I mean? Just a second. I need five hour power nap. I'll be right back. It's like the older you get, the more rest you need. And Jesus, you know, he's not talking about taking a nap. He's talking about the rest that he gives a rest. This rest speaks of salvation. In other words, when Jesus died on the cross, he died to carry the penalty of sin and all the load and the weight and the guilt of your sin and shame was placed on the pure, holy son of God. And then on the cross, he cried out, you know, it is finished to tell us die. And Jesus did that work on the cross. Therefore, you can enter into rest a rest that speaks of salvation, a rest that speaks of sanctification. That's the process of walking as a Christian. You know, so often we get saved and then we say, okay, God, thank you very much. I'm saved now. And Roger Dodger over now. I don't need your help anymore. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's how we do God. When we get saved. No, God keeps you saved. Did you know that? Did you know that? Did you know you cannot be a Christian? I talk to people and say, hey, you know, well, I'm I'm trying to be a Christian. You cannot try to be a Christian. You can't try to be a Christian. There's something God has to work in you and through you. You can't try to be a Christian. You see, that work of sanctification happens by your abiding in Christ, not by you trying to be a Christian. As a matter of fact, Paul, the apostle said, when I am weak, he is strong. And Paul knew what sanctification was all about. He said, when I'm weak, his grace is sufficient for me, baby. Because when I'm weak, he's strong. So he's talking about not only a salvation rest, but a sanctification rest. And then thirdly, an eternal rest. Eternal rest. That's that blissful, blissful, restful state. Where when you die, this is where you want to go. You want to rest eternally with him. You see, no longer will you strive and sin and Satan. There in his arms, you're safe and secure from all alarm. You know that song, that old traditional song? I love it. Eternal rest, sanctification, salvation, and an eternal rest. And Jesus is simply this. He'll give you that rest. What do you have to do? Rodney, what do I got to do? You got to come to him. That's what he said. Come to me. Notice he didn't say come to the church. He did not say come to the pastor. He didn't say come to counseling. He said come to me and I will give you rest. Not come to counseling. Jesus is the perfect counselor. He's the, 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 the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace. He says, come to me and I will give you that rest. Why? Because he's meek and lowly in heart. That li- literally simply means that Jesus is humble and he's lowly and he's gentle. And who would not want to come to a God who is humble and lowly and gentle, not high and mighty and rough, but humble and lowly And gentle. Hey, let me read you these verses as we close. Someone once said this this poem, and I like this simple poem. They said, I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down thy weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. So I came to Jesus as I was weary and worn and sad, and I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. And that's what happens when you find yourself. Resting in Him. More blessed, less stress, as you find your rest in Him.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time.